0: This week's episode of Legends of Gotham is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com Gotham. Over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Again, that link is audibletrial.com Gotham. Welcome to Legends of Gotham. I'm Bill Meeks. And I'm Anne-Marie D. Simone. And uh, we thought since Gotham's coming back uh, this Monday, January <laughs> 5th, Monday, Monday, Monday. we'd, we'd uh, kind of put together a best-of compilation of everything we did uh, the first semester <laughs> for Gotham.
1: The hat's uh, distracting, but I'm okay oh, with Oh, is it?
0: it uh, the Gotham hat? Uh, you, we'll, we'll, we'll show you guys this in our new episode on Tuesday, I think, a little more. It's a gift from a listener. Uh, but yeah, basically, we're gonna throw a bunch of like little clips, little theories. I believe uh, one of your theories about the penguin stealing his victims' clothes, yep, and I other stuff. Uh, who who killed the Waynes? Yeah, we got on that. that. We got that on lockdown. And, and we'll be throwing those short little clips around uh, some of the uh, the cool uh, cast interviews and stuff we've got this year. And like, so
1: lu- We've been so lucky with all these cast interviews and all the interaction. Mm-hmm. We're so grateful oh, for, for anyone sure. out there. Mm-hmm. Thank you.
0: But it, especially, um, it, it's a slightly cut down version of the game we played with uh, Renee Montoya and Chris Allen, uh, Victoria and Andrew, who came on the podcast a few weeks ago. And we definitely wanted to throw that out there because I know that it got published to iTunes weird. So if you didn't pick that up, it's episode 17. Uh, The MCU joins Gotham or something like that. But uh, a really good interview with both of them and uh, team-up with the Gotham TV podcast. But you'll get to hear the game we played, and we'll have that. We'll have uh, some, another interview with Victoria, uh, Rene Montoya, a uh, Colin from uh, the director, TJ Scott, the guy who directed Spirit of the Goat, and another one. And uh, then, we'll, then we'll close it all off with uh, a couple of years ago, I, I was covering Dragon Con for Bleeding Cool, and we, I, I was able to attend a press conference with Burt Ward and uh, Adam West. We hope to see you guys on Tuesday for our first episode back. No, But uh, definitely uh, when you guys get done watching the episode on Monday night, uh, shoot us an email, legendsofgotham at gmail.com or uh, voicemail at 424-274-2352. What did you say? Again, you had 424- the 274 part. Again, that's (laughs) 424-274-2352. So uh, stay tuned for our our cavalcade of Gotham stars. Cavalcade of Gotham stars. And and kind of a best of of our first half season. And we'll see you guys on Tuesday. And I hope to see you then.
1: Bye! So Fish's mom. Can we talk about her for a minute?
0: Yeah. Uh, Fish's mom, you mean the person The old lady singer? In the story?
1: Yeah, no. Nope, the old lady singer.
0: Wait, that was Fish's mom? <gasps>
1: oh, my goodness, yes.
0: No way. Totally. Totes Fish's mom.
1: Totes Fish's mom <laughs> in a silver glittery sequin dress. Mm. I heard you telling her stories. <laughs> I really wanted her to slap Fish. Mm-hmm. Because if anybody can slap Fish, it's her mama.
0: See, I, I one thing I noticed was the song she was singing. Mm. I uh, the, the lyrics were basically, If I die, ain't nobody's fault but mine. Kind of felt like foreshadowing for Fish because, uh, you know, uh, right now Fish Mooney's backing herself into a situation where her pride is going to get her killed mm-hmm. because she she's so convinced that she's completely and totally awesome, which I'm sure is how she would put it, uh, that yes. there's no way that Penguin or Falcone or Moroni... Mar- uh, or anyway. Marconi, or macaroni, or anybody is going to get
1: macaroni. Has it, first name. But
0: uh, is going to get get uh, the advantage on her, and, and I mean these lyrics are very much like uh, you're going to. Build your own coffin kind of thing. Yep, and you're that's, putting
1: the nails in it yourself.
0: Yeah, and that's where Fish is going for sure.
1: Oh, it's so obvious. So, I think it'll, she'll really be lucky to make it out of this season.
0: Mm-hmm. I, 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 I'm I, actually starting to think she'll be lucky if she makes it out of this half season.
1: Yeah, and that makes me sad because I just like mm-hmm. having Jada on the show. I
0: just mm-hmm. think it's pretty
1: awesome. Um, but basically, I just want to see more of her mom. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. I mean, she's not going to rat out her daughter, but... Who
0: knows, yeah, you kind of got you kind of got have to wonder uh what, what the real story is, too, since that was obviously a very mm-hmm. fake story, yeah, and, and like why, why is fish really the way she is,
1: exactly? Yeah. What really happened?
0: Mm.
1: So, yeah, there's that.
0: I'm gonna guess, uh, I don't know, she lost a favored pet or something, some classic, cl- classic villain origin story. Uh, <laughs> speaking of villains, I just would like to point out that Bobby. Okay, now nor- <laughs> normally here I would uh, I would definitely you know start talking about the episode, but before we do, we have a message from here. I'll show his uh, his Twitter account real quick here Bloop, from director uh, of director of this episode T.J. Scott. I uh, went ahead and called in and left us a two and a half minute message Woo. and uh, talking a little bit about how we got. Uh, Added to Gotham and uh, how it was working on and everything. So we'll go ahead and play that and then we'll start talking about the episode. Hey
2: guys, this is TJ Scott, director of uh, episode 104 of Gotham, Arkham, and uh, 106, The Spirit of the Goat. Uh, I just brought by to say I'm hoping you guys enjoyed watching this week's episode as much as I enjoyed shooting it. And I've been asked what my favorite part of directing Gotham is. Well, first off, I, I love the pilot that Bruno Heller wrote with, and uh, Danny Ken directed. So when they asked me to come on board, I jumped at the opportunity, obviously. Uh, for me, coming on board a series when it's just starting up is a coolest thing, because I enjoy the big puzzle of how to shoot it stylistically, and especially working with the actors as they're first creating the roles. And this series has such a great ensemble cast with Ben McKenzie, Donald Loeb, Jada Pinkett, uh, Robin Lord Taylor, Ellen Richards, Sean Purkey, Dave Mazuse. Victoria Cartagena, uh, Cameron, <laughs> uh, Corey Michael Smith, Sabrina, Andrew Stewart Jones, Richard Kine, Drew Powell, David Ziff. Oh, I'm forgetting one. And uh, and then on uh, this episode, I had uh, it was super fun to have my friend uh, Kim K. Uh, Kazim of uh, Black Sales as my guest star, and I also got to introduce uh, Mackenzie Lee as Liza, and I think she's going to be a big star. So this is like a big dream team cast for me to work with. Uh Gotham also uh the city's a real character in the series too. And I um shooting on the streets in New York was such a treat. Uh we shot scenes in Gladwell's office were uh was set up in uh just outside Wall Street and the scenes where James Gordon slams the penguin up against the walls was one block from Wall Street with hundreds of people watching. Uh, we shot Fish Mooney's girls Fight in the Brooklyn Navy Yards. We shot Arkham at Staten Island. We shot the Maroney restaurant scenes in Brooklyn. And uh, we shot the opening rooftop scene with Gladwell, where he kills the councilman right across the street from Madison Square Gardens. So uh, that was certainly uh, a thrill. Uh, and and then the show has these amazing sets. You know, the police precinct and Fish Mooney's bar and Barbara King's apartment. They're all built on the sound stages. And they're all designed by amazing production designer Doug Craner. built from scratch by his team. Um, anyways, I, I will continue to check in here with you guys, and uh, I hope you follow me and the rest of the cast on Twitter, and we'll uh, keep you apprised of what's going on on the show. And uh, we tend to live tweet a bit, so uh, please join us, and uh, I'll see you in the movies. Bye.
0: Thank, thank you very you much, TJ. So ah! Yeah, it was so cool, <laughs> and, and I really hope uh, you you can uh, check in again with us when you when your next episode comes out. In that a couple would be weeks. awesome.
1: Yeah, leave the gun, take the cannoli.
0: Take the cannoli. Take the cannoli. Okay, so Amory, what did you think of Arkham overall? Oh, and thanks again, TJ. By <laughs> yes, the way.
1: thank you so much, TJ. We really appreciate it. <laughs> you and your cheesy <laughs> ah. um...
0: innovation of the setting, like because I I had never thought about it before, but. In office, there's a lot of deadly stuff around yes. in an office. Yes, like, there is. I can, yes. Uh, just the printers alone, I mean, could crush some heads for sure. They
1: really could. So could yeah. those giant monitors mm-hmm. they
0: had. Yeah, you have some office supplies I back do there. I have some office
1: supplies. Uh, Here, hold on, let me. Should, me.
0: We, should we have a notebook fight? Would
1: you like to have, we can have a notebook slap fight? Oh, no!
0: I, th- I think we should have a notebook slap fight. All right, hold on. Hand me a notebook. Leave those scissors there, though. Yeah,
1: let's leave the scissors.
0: Let- let's see how deadly this gets. Let's see if one of us dies. Ah. Okay, uh, that was uh, dead. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> That's a reason you should watch uh, watch us live because we have notebook left. Maybe slides. it's
1: because I'll start throwing
0: biz, or index cards. Index cards. Oh, you're out. Paper cut. Oh, infected. <laughs> oh, dead. I'm dead. I win. No, but offices. I get the job. <laughs> no, I don't want it. Offices are an extremely dangerous setting, uh, which wasn't apparent uh, beforehand. Uh, but. Uh, <laughs> We got a, uh, it it was weird, like, right before we were about to start, we got this weird voicemail message from, I think it was Vicky, maybe, or something? I don't don't know. Uh, I I guess we'll stay quiet, and we'll figure out who it is.
3: Hey, guys. This is Victoria Cartagena. I play the name of on Gotham. And I just want to thank you so much for all your enthusiasm about this show as the premiere gets closer. Uh, we're having a blast, and we're actually completing episode seven, which has a lot of exciting sequences that, um, let's just say, uh, my stump double was needed, <laughs> so buckle up. Um, anyway, look out for that one, and I hope you'll enjoy the show. See ya. Yay. And, yes, that,
0: that was a very special That's message very to Victoria, cool. who uh, you guys might not know, uh, <laughs> plays Montoya, Renee Montoya on Gotham. And, uh, actually, we'll go ahead and uh, start introducing our Gotham podcaster here. Thank you, Victoria, by the way. Yes, thank uh, you. We coordinated that over Twitter this week, and uh, thank you so much. It was very much appreciated. <laughs> okay, Penguin. <laughs> what did you think of uh, Mr. Oswald Cobblepot?
1: He was everything I expected him to be
0: oh yeah it was perfect i did see some people saying with that guy at the end though that um, uh he killed him for the sandwich no i think he killed him because there was going to be a witness there of him and he doesn't want anyone to know he's alive
1: well he kind of can't it's not to his benefit either
0: yeah it would put his life in danger and also everyone all, all this manipulation he's doing would be for naught and also i i, I almost want to say those are the clothes he's wearing in that did anyone ever tell you you walk like a penguin scene from the trailers
1: oh um okay so the penguin now we didn't get to see too too much of him mm-hmm. but one thing i've noticed is he wears his victim's clothing like trophies i like that i'm a little creeped out
0: i like that in a penguin
1: you like that in a penguin i do i'm thinking that maybe this is how the penguin initially got fat because he was wearing lots <laughs> he kept, of he,
0: clothes he, kept, he, he just kept, kept, kept putting, putting on yes,
1: layers he keeps putting on layers
0: i think that might be my favorite concept we've come up with on the <laughs> podcast since it being the origin story of the mustache <laughs> like, that's amazing.
1: That's how come he got fat because he was hiding under all these layers.
0: <laughs> just you could just see up it. Yeah.
1: You could see it. So, that, beside yeah. note, that poor mm-hmm. farmer, he ain't going to live very long. Oh, no, not suspected. at all. I'm surprised he's still alive.
0: This is something I think we're going to see in every episode, too, but it, it's all based on a theory Anne-Marie came up with a couple episodes ago. I want you to explain this theory in full, full, and then we'll talk about how what happened in this episode with it.
1: Okay, so the penguin. Things we've noticed with him, with his, his kills basically he takes their clothes Mm -hmm. whether he's killing them for their clothes or not i'm not completely sure but he (laughs) sort of wears them as trophies um Mm -hmm. and it looks like he's sort of making different outfits with them now a little Mm -hmm. um but then we see him in this episode literally kill someone for their shoes he was a little creepy when he approached the guy too he's like so which size shoes do you wear
0: and wait what do what's your theory as to what the purpose of these clothes are
1: this is how he gets fat (laughs)
0: <laughs> yes he's going to become huge and rotund because he's he going to be
1: wearing all the clothes
0: keeps putting on the layers of his victims and i love this theory and
1: this week we have a special interview with our good buddy friend of the show and fantastic victoria cartagena i think i said yeah. it right
0: cartagena or cartagena cartagena yeah, we listened to the recording of her. We're saying really it bad a at pronouncing
1: times. things. I'm so yes, sorry. Terribly
0: bad at pronouncing terribly
1: things. Terribly bad at last names.
0: But uh, for but
1: for, yay, Vicky.
0: I know we're we're very excited. <laughs> Actually, I I think I see her coming down the way there. Oh, 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 oh. there she <gasps> is. Vicky. Hold on, hold on. There
1: Anything
0: she is. is uh, for people who are listening to the listening, audio you're version, you're we have now. yeah, we have an overlay of Victoria here. I might
1: be petting her hair.
0: It's it's possible. <laughs> but uh, we for people who are watching the live video, we're. Still going to hang out here. Uh, We'll actually be able to look at chat a little bit. This is a a bit of a long piece, about seven and a half minutes pre recorded interview uh, with uh, Renee Montoya herself. Uh, So we'll go ahead and get started with that right now. Were you familiar with Montoya before being cast?
3: I wasn't familiar with Montoya before uh, being a part of of Gotham. I found out about her once I was uh, cast in the role, and I chose not to read the comics while I was shooting the pilot because I wanted to be introduced to her as Bruno Heller, the creator and the writers, introduced her to me. Uh, But after the pilot, I have a cousin who's a a fanboy, and he um, told me a little about her, and I uh, Googled her and just found that she was so fascinating that I, I needed to get to know her more. And so I started with the Gotham Central and have since uh, moved on to 52.
1: How was she presented to you? What appealed to you as an actress about the character?
3: Uh, Renee was uh, presented to me in the pilot as a very smart, um, driven and, and passionate detective who uh, was in recovery and was still in love with her ex, <laughs> who is engaged to a man who she thinks is corrupt. Um, and what appealed to me as an actress was the the fact that, you know, that, yes, yeah, she's this dedicated cop and and you You're given a, a hint about a dark past that she has. so you know you're reading it and and you're reading the script and you know that this is a character um, that's not just going to be a one-dimensional character. She has a lot going on at work and in her personal life. and um it's all interconnected and and it can really be fleshed out and explored in a really interesting way.
0: What is your process for memorizing scenes?
3: My process for memorizing lines—I wish it was more interesting uh, process—but uh, I usually just read the scene over and over, and eventually it sinks in. What kind of stuff did you work on before Gotham? I went to acting school, uh, the American Musical and Dramatic Academy, and uh, did a little theater at school. And when I uh, graduated, uh, for the, after uh, like for two two straight years, I did a lot of off, off, off off-Broadway off, off, off Broadway stuff um, that you get um, from backstage, and that was pretty much it, because then I um, got an agent and, and went straight into doing television, and I shot about uh, three pilots, not including Gotham, that um, only one of them was picked up. It was called The Bedford Diaries, and it only lasted like eight episodes into the first season. Um, so after that, I did all the New York guest starring shows, um, like I've done um, Unforgettable, uh, Blue Bloods, uh, The Good Wife Elementary, SVU, anyone I could uh, that they would allow me to be a part of. And, and yeah, that was basically it for Gotham.
0: We saw you've been reading 52. Are you liking Montoya's journey? What part of it excites you the most as somebody playing the character?
3: So, yes, I have started reading 52. Um, only at the very beginning um, where Renee... Um, just meets uh, Vic Sage, stage, the original question, and he's asked her to do some surveillance at a warehouse or something. Um, for what I understand or what I've read so far, it seems that she's hit rock bottom, and I may be wrong, it may not be her bottom, maybe she has more to go, but... Um, she, you know, she's lost her professional partner, Crispus Allen, and feels a tremendous amount of guilt about that. She's been drinking heavily, and so much that her life partner, Daria Hernandez, has left her, and we know that her parents have have disowned her. So at this point, she's, you know, she's go- gone through and is going through a tremendous amount of guilt, sadness, grief, and, and anger. And it's just, it's just so darn interesting to read. It, it's, it's quite a journey that. um and I find myself like loving her more as I get to know her um, better, and really, really rooting for her. And you know, what's most exciting uh, for someone um, playing the, the character is that there, you know, there's so much material to choose from. If the writers um, want to go that route, um, uh, also, uh, just reading the comics has made me such a, a huge Renee Montoya fan, and I have so much respect for her, and, and I have to. Tip my hat out to the writers who created and wrote for her like Greg and Jeff Johns because they've just handled her beautifully. What shows are you watching right now? All right. So I watch way too much TV and, um, people are like, how do you have the time to do it? So I, I found that I like to watch TV as I'm running on my treadmill. So that's why I have the time to do it. Um, so, uh, here goes, okay, so uh, Orphan Black, because uh, Tatiana Maslany is a genius, and it's just an amazing, fun show. The Walking Dead, uh, Game of Thrones, uh, Derek, Orange is the New Black, American Horror Story, The Bates Motel, uh, The Fall, Getting On, which is on HBO, I love it so much, it's, Laurie Metcalf is hilarious, I loved her for so long since Roseanne, and she's just, uh, I adore her, brilliant to watch.
0: You're from Philly. Most people would ask you your favorite cheesesteak. We're going to ask you what your favorite pizza shop was instead.
3: So there are two places that my family ordered from. My personal favorite was Little Sicily, which was located on in South Philly on, on Delaware Avenue, which now is Columbus Boulevard. But will forever be Delaware Avenue to me. And, uh, the other place was, uh, um, uh, the pizza place on seventh street, seventh and Morris, which we called the seventh street pizza because well, it was on Seventh street. And I don't even know if it was that the seventh street pizza was better than little Sicily, but this is like a time before the internet. And so, um, you know, you didn't have, we all had yellow pages and that's how you got your pizza place. So in my house, the yellow pages, it was just always missing. So, um, Seventh Street had this just annoying commercial horrendous with this jingle for their phone number and it would just stick in your head. So it'd be like seven five five nine no, no, is the pizza place. So um uh you just it'd be in your head. So when you ordered pizza and you couldn't find the yellow pages, you just hummed a little jingle and you called them. So, um, yeah, that's the place and now you know why I also don't do musicals. Um and so long as we're on the topic, um, cheese steaks I'm not sure what the best is, but if you're going to choose between uh, two of the most famous places in Philly, uh, Genos or Pats, I would definitely say Pats. What's been the most challenging scene to shoot so far? The most uh, challenging scene for me to shoot so far was in the a scene in the Balloon Man um, when the MCU pays a visit to Fish Mooney. And it's <laughs> just mostly because I'm a huge uh, Jada Pinkett Smith fan and I have been forever. And, and I'm also just... <laughs> in all of what she is doing with this character i really really enjoy it and um you know I, I i kept getting nervous but i knew that you know montoya would not be nervous or she would not show it <laughs> like i would so i had to keep giving myself a good talking to before each take and uh yeah i survived it Well she's really nice and lovely so it was great and it all turned out well anything else so thank you so much guys for um For talking with me and allowing me to chat, Uh, you guys are awesome. I've listened to a few of your podcasts, and um, (laughs) I get a hoot out of it. So thank you, Bill and Emery, and I look forward to talking to you guys. Bye. The end.
0: (laughs) Thank you very much, Victoria. Thank you. That was so great. Before we get into the main discussion of this week's episode, which I really, really love, The Balloon Mm Man. uh, Some of you might know that a few weeks back, we uh, submitted some clips and uh, got into the Gotham fan trailer. Follow up on the Arkham connection. Arkham's been closed for ten years. You're hurting yourself. I'm testing myself. Somebody
1: has to take over. Might as well be me.
0: However dark and scary the world might be right now, there will be light. There will be light. We uh, submitted some clips and uh, got into the Gotham fan trailer they released over the summer before the show started. Yay! And, uh, you know, so we were on, like, Fox TV and stuff, which was really cool. And they told us they were going to be sending us a Gotham prize pack, which we, we didn't know what it was, but we were pretty <laughs> excited. And then it was so long we figured we would never get it, but we got it. And Emery's going to open it right now. and it up. Uh, yep. So okay. t- open up the box and uh, then just uh, you know hold up the items and hand them over to me, and I'll hold them right I, up to the camera. Hand so. them
1: over to me so I can never get well, back. Well, tell
0: you. us what they are. Okay. Yeah, I tell the listeners of the audio box. All the listeners. Listeningers?
1: Listeningers. That's listening-ers. We have. Ooh,
0: lanyards. Ooh. Here, let's show these to the camera here.
1: Show these to the nice people in the camera. Yeah, they have a
0: nice strap that says Fox Gotham and then a little picture of the cast and uh, some Ben McKenzie. Wow. Oh, that's cool, too. It's like one of those holographic things where it's like the cast (gasps) And 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 then the comic characters.
1: Ooh. Cast,
0: comic characters. That's pretty cool.
1: That's fun. Okay. And two... Um, badges, like legit
0: mm-hmm.
1: Gotham imprinted hashtags. Yes,
0: detective founded 1820, the Gotham, so, the official Gotham badges. I'm going to put We the, are a part on. of
1: GCP I'm glad now. they
0: sent two of everything. So like, am I. I. figured we were just going to get one since it was and on And then we'd have entry.
1: to fight over it.
0: I am totally putting on my Gotham, uh, detective badge. As am I. Excellent. So for you, this is going to be really cold too, I'm sure, but. A little bit, a <laughs> little bit. But it's awesome. That's I'm going to wear it around everywhere. Okay. Guaranteed.
1: Now. We may have seen some pictures online from other people and can't explain my mm-hmm. excitement over two hoodies. Two hoodies. <laughs> two two hoodies. Gotham hoodies. I want one. I'm so excited. We may have been fighting over this.
0: We also lo- both love hoodies like, so. excessively. <laughs> but here it is. Here's the Gotham hoodie. I think I'll be wearing oh this gosh. every show from now on out. <gasps> Yes. Hey, actually, why don't we go ahead and put them on right now? You said you were getting a little cold I anyway. I
1: am. kind of cold. So yeah, let's okay, go ahead and put on our, put our put Gotham, Gotham
0: hoodies, hoodies for for the show. That's awesome. Sorry, audio listeners. This will take just a second. Don't we mind. we normally don't get dressed during the podcast. <laughs> no, we, not at all. We normally don't get <gasps> oh, undressed sucked. either. Oh we yeah, it is. Get, oh. It's very nice. Oh my gosh! My, this the is back my new of it, favorite of it hoodie. It is on my chair. This Here is
1: my. I we're gonna have to Instagram this later.
0: Yes. Gotham oh my gosh, hoodie. I this love is it. It's so
1: amazing. Oh, yeah.
0: It's so soft it's and soft, wonderful. It's
1: cushy. And, yeah, well, and we're then made, there's the box.
0: We're probably making everyone feel bad. Sorry. Okay, hand me the box. No, I'm just kidding. It's the box. <laughs> okay, so, let's see. I have my, my sheriff sheriff badge on. I have my Gotham lanyard. You got my lanyard. You might hear that clicking in the microphone throughout Sorry. the show. And I have my Gotham hoodie on, too. This or, is let me so get it cool. zipped up, maybe.
1: This is amazing.
0: Yeah, this is so awkward getting dressed on a oh, podcast. On camera. Yeah. 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 I didn't realize there were going to be two hoodies. I thought fox. that.
1: Fox on my hand. There's oh, nice. Fox on my hand.
0: Fox on my hand. Fox
1: on my hand. Fox. What does the Fox say? Yes.
0: The Fox says Gotham hoodie. <laughs>
1: the Fox says Yay. Well, Well,
0: uh, thank you, Gotham. Thank you, Gotham. Thank you, Gotham. People, fox the,
1: people. The
0: people who sent we us all the so stuff. We are
1: so excited. You can't even imagine.
0: It's so cool. And thank you for sending two thank of you for everything, too. That was incredibly s- awesome. So super cool. Was that still <laughs> you holding the thing up? <laughs> okay, so so now let's. Uh, so okay. I guess we should get into our non-biased review. <laughs> um, of yes. Gotham. No. We are doing
1: this totally for fun. Okay. Ready?
0: Yeah. Uh, go ahead and hit us up with the rhyming, riddling episode summary. Okay. Well, I guess we should go ahead and get into our game here. Now it's time for how MCU are you? How MCU are you? Uh, Victorian and Andrew, welcome to how MCU are you? It's really hard to say, but it's kind of fun. Thank you. MCU are you?
4: How MCU are you? <laughs>
0: Uh, You'll be playing against each other, but don't worry. It's all in good fun. We're going to give you each a classic Batman villain and a scenario. Then you'll tell us how your characters would respond. Uh, John and Derek will be our judges. Uh, If they think your answer is MCU enough, they'll go like this.
4: If they think our answer is what's enough?
0: Good. Good enough. Yeah, if it's good enough, they'll go like this, and then John and Derek do their thing.
4: We, have to, we, we had recordings for this, but um, uh, <laughs>
0: technical issues. So we're going to put on really bad accents.
4: Excellent. And I'll show
0: you how
5: not to do accents. So for that, it will be a thumbs up. Please.
4: And it will be, good point, well made, mate. That's excellent. <laughs> good point, well made, mate. Good point, well made, mate. Ew, Lovely mate. jab. Lovely jab.
6: For a wrong question, I, I get the pleasure of going... Uh, of going Wrong wrong question, gorgeous.
4: Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, fish moon. Fish he moon. went all fish oh. moony.
3: Fish moony. There you go. You oh. gotta do the finger though. There you go. <laughs> there you go.
0: <laughs> then most points at the end end wins. I'll keep track. Uh any questions from anybody?
3: I so lost. It's,
4: to You'll be fine. Oh,
3: yeah, God. it's gonna it's gonna be tailored towards you. Just have
0: Watch. fun with it.
3: Okay, I have some th- comics already ready that I can sign and send to you guys. Remember that.
0: <laughs> Good point, well, mate. I'll note four points for bribe oh. here. Um, <laughs> here we go. Can we do the first one? Yeah, uh, let's go ahead and uh, we'll start with uh, Victoria Montoya.
1: The first villain is Professor Anderson. Anderson was a gifted engineer and scientist who constructed a device that actually transported people into works of fiction. When he demonstrated the device to Batman and Robin, he did so by sending them inside a volume of Anthology of Fairy
0: Tales. Okay, so uh, Professor Anderson sends uh, people into books, TV shows, etc. Uh, now, Victoria, I tailored this for you based on uh, some of your answers from uh, last uh, time we had you on. And, okay. Uh, Professor Anderson has transported Renee and Crispus into the world of Game of Thrones. Crispus has been captured by uh, Tyrion Lannister. What does Renee say to convince Tyrion he should let them go?
3: Um, hey Tyrion, <laughs> I, um, I think you're really cute, and um, I, uh, I think your sister's, I don't know, hot and. <laughs> <laughs> Your other brother's not? And uh, can you let Crispus go because he's my partner? And uh, I have some comics there I can sign and send you.
0: <laughs> okay, uh, John and Eric, was that MCU or uh, not MCU?
3: I got nothing, guys. I got nothing.
4: Good point. It was well was well good. made, mate.
3: Thank you. Yay. That was, that was
4: good. You. That <laughs>
0: Okay, uh, let's
4: see here. Okay. I think Andrew? your sister's kind of hot. <laughs> kinda, Just kind of, yeah. though. Just a little bit. A little bit. Uh, yeah. That was good.
0: Okay, uh, Andrew, you're up next. Okay.
1: Barney Barrows. When Barney Barrows failed the psychological profile test required to become a Gotham City police officer, the dejected man took a job as a janitor at the police headquarters. His hatred of criminals kept him close to law enforcement. But after a freak accident in the police lab bathed Barrows in an experimental radiation, he found he had enhanced mental capability. He literally became a genius overnight. Barrows quickly deduce the secret identities of Batman and Robin and use that information to blackmail the dynamic duo.
0: Yeah, that should be good. Okay, Okay. and so the situation is, okay, there's this janitor, uh, He working at uh, GCPD, he gets exposed to this weird chemical, becomes an instant genius, and then Crispus comes across Barney the janitor as he's building a bomb to blow up, to blow uh, Gotham PD sky high. Every cop is a target, and Crispus is right here, so now... Uh, Barney is pointing a gun at you, Crispus. Uh, How will Crispus stop this crazy custodian?
4: Barney, when it comes to blackmail, I am the guy to talk to. I am the blackmail. I need you to put your gun down. I'm going to go get you a plunger and some Drano. I want you to go back to what you were doing before. And on your lunch break, I'm going to let you come into the bullpen, sit at a desk, sit at a desk, Show me just how smart you are because I'm stuck on crossword nine down. I have no idea what it is.
0: <laughs> Excellent. Okay, John and Derek, I MC you enough. Good, or not point. enough? Point? Good point. Good point. Well, point. Made. well made, mate. Excellent.
2: Mine didn't even make sense. job. <laughs> <Cap.
0: laughs> See,
1: well, Victoria, you're going to like this next one, then.
0: Yeah, go ahead. Oh, uh, next one go up ahead. for Victoria.
1: Okay, the character's name is Brule, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Brule. was not only a successful cattle rancher, but also a secret leader of a gang of black market rustlers.
0: Yes, and the situation for Montoya is Renee and Crispus pull over a truck outside uh, the Gotham City limits. Brule's driving a load of cows, but while Renee is checking them out, she finds a hay bale hiding stacks of cash. So she finds cash in the back of this truck with a bunch of cows in it. How does she Mm -hmm. let Crispus know things are going down and that things are going to get crazy without rousing the smuggler's suspicion?
3: She just looks at him like she usually does, like...
0: (laughs) 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 Okay, uh, John and Derek, is that MCU enough or not MCU enough? That is very
3: MCU.
5: That is very MCU. I'll do this in a a Fish Mooney voice
4: because, um, you know...
3: Oh, good point. Well made. <laughs>
4: <laughs> That's Fish Mooney, who lives in Buckingham Palace, of course. That one. Queen, Queen, the,
0: the, Queen
1: the royal Fish, Fish Mooney. Mooney. <laughs> Queen Mooney. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, next up, Christmas. All right. Wiley Derek was a criminal who was also an expert makeup artist. He obtained a job at an insane asylum and preyed on the delusions of inmates who believed themselves to be the incarnation of historic personages disguised as lafayette he wanted to build an army of the mad and commit a series of crimes
0: so basically a crazy makeup artist he makes up crazy people as historical figures and wants to take over the world okay so uh crispus as crispus is returning home from a stakeout at fish mooney's club he encounters general lafayette aka wiley derrick recruiting soldiers for his mad army outside a soup kitchen How does Crispus intervene before this villain uh, gains steam?
4: Um, I guess, first of all, I'd probably have to take off my jacket, um, drag it along the ground a little bit, and then put it back on and get online for the soup kitchen so that I can get up close and personal in front of him. And then as he's serving me the slops or whatever it is that I'm about to get and let him give me the spiel, let him try and recruit me. And then I'll look at him and I'll simply say, excuse me, I believe you've used the wrong foundation and I'll just watch him crumble in front of me, (laughs) devastated. I'll roll him over on the ground, cuff him, look at him again and say, I was only kidding, but I just knew I'd get you.
0: (laughs) That is very smart, very strategic. Uh, John and Derek, uh, what do you think? Sure. Does that sound very MCU to you,
4: John? Mm, (laughs) It does. But go on. I'm dying, I'm dying to hear. I just. King. Good point, mate. I'm dying to what he has to say over there with his. Yeah, I know exactly. He gave you the
0: thumbs up. He gave you the thumbs up. It was heady there for a minute. I wasn't sure he, it was going to happen. Okay. <laughs> All right. Next up is Victoria.
1: <laughs> All right. The Dodo Man. The villain. The Dodo? Oh, oh, the oh Dodo yeah. Man. The villain, known only as the Dodo Man, was described as a psychotic who had an unnatural urge to obtain anything related to the extinct
0: dodo bird.
1: This led him to commit criminal acts, including brazen robbery of Gotham City's Museum of Natural History.
0: Okay, uh, now the dodo man breaks into Wayne Manor to steal their prized dodo egg. Go with it. Um, dodo Bruce, egg? A yes, dodo egg. They have a prized oh, dodo okay. for some reason. Ooh,
3: It's uh-huh. the wings. Dodo egg. Got you.
0: And a uh, young <laughs> Bruce can't get a hold of Gordon, so he calls Montoya for help. What's who the Call thing?
3: me? Alfred. Okay, sorry. Go uh, ahead. Uh, Bruce does. Young Young Bruce Bruce does. Young Bruce. What's the
0: first thing Montoya does when she gets on the scene?
3: She makes scrambled eggs. (laughs) No, uh,
0: (laughs) I don't know. What
3: does Montoya do when she walks into the dodo bird? She investigates (laughs) and uh, she takes some prints and she calls uh, Crispus (laughs) to handle it because he has better answers. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I know, that's a big.
0: I'm I don't specific. know, I guess we'll have to throw to John and Derek to see on that one Go on, put on your best name. female
2: accent What was that? Wrong question, gorgeous
0: oh. <laughs> No Okay, well okay. right now uh, Crispus and Montoya are both tied at two tied So at two? okay, I, I guess uh, we'll move on Moving right along Okay, Andrew, the flower gang This is for Crispus
1: Three men with a high degree of horticultural knowledge combined their resources to commit crimes as the Flower Gang. The men robbed from around Gotham City using various plant-specific properties to gain entry (laughs) or unlock saves. One one such heist was... A robbery of Morrow Art Gallery. The
0: Morrow Art,
1: Art, Art Gallery.
0: Okay, so basically the Flower Gang, they use flowers to commit their crimes. Shocking. Okay, now Crispus. Uh, the Flower Gang strikes. Gotham City is covered in pollen. Uh, seriously, inches of the stuff. It's like snow. You can't even drive in it. You hear the Flower Gang is running southeast at three miles per hour towards 4th and Grundy. Crispus is at 7th in Grundy and can run 3.4 miles per hour (laughs) since he's traveling solo. At this rate, where will Crispus meet up with the flower gang, and who's kicking whose ass when he does?
4: Okay. Um, I will probably meet up with them on on the pollen knoll. And when we get there, um, I do know for a fact from profile that uh, one of these flower gangs is a little bit of a weed. So I'm not going to worry too, too much about him. Um, I'll probably take the first guy first um, and uh, probably kick him right in the petals, take him down. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure the other guy will just scurry away. That's pretty much how it goes. And if it's in three inches of pollen and it's covered in the city, he's not going to get too far. I'm sure Nigma will enjoy just watching him do his thing and he'll just he'll let me know exactly where he is.
0: Excellent, and I, I, I do appreciate the strategy of taking the first guy down first. first uh, let's see if it pays off for you, John and Derek. <laughs>
4: well, peddled. good point, well made. <laughs> I'm just getting into this. Yes. It? The voice yes. is changing. The voice I'm is that. changing. It's deeper. My voice is broken. <laughs> it's going to be Mr. T by the time we're done here.
3: <laughs>
0: okay, okay, let's see. Uh, uh, right now it's uh, three for Andrew, uh, two for Victoria. Oh,
3: he won. <laughs> I'm going to gloat okay. later.
0: You know what? You know what we can do? We're going to do an emergency tiebreaker. This one is worth. Five billion points, okay? okay. And we're going <laughs> to
4: give, go. go. give
0: each of you an opportunity to, to answer. And this is for uh, – it's an, actually a Batman the Animated Series oh, character called the Condiment King. <sighs> Emery. Okay. <laughs> the Condiment
1: King, created by Bruce Timm and Paul Denny for Batman the Animated Series. is a DC comic Condiment, selling. right? Condiment. Yeah. Condiment. Condiment. Not,
4: yes. condom. Not condom King. Condom. That's, no. okay. That's a whole
0: different <laughs> in South yeah.
4: Just sure. Just making
1: sure. <laughs> um, okay, he uses various condiments, sometimes capable of causing anaphylactic shock, as his weapons. So
0: basically, a. Uh, uh, He's squirting you with mustard. Yeah, p- pudgy uh, middle aged man with a condiment gun. Okay, so uh, the condiment
4: Still sounds like the other word to me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, the condiment king walks in while Montoya and Alan are enjoying lunch at a fast food uh, joint. The king is waving around his condiment gun, threatening to spray his hot salsa everywhere. If
4: they don't give him his old
0: job back, I'm sorry, I'm
4: sorry, I'm sorry. Are you... uh, sorry, go ahead. My, my bad. Sorry. Just my play the circumstances.
0: <laughs> Let's see. Uh, we'll start with. Uh, this is for both of you. Uh, we'll start with Crispus. Crispus, talk him down. Talk down the condiment king with the salsa gun. <laughs>
4: That's exactly what I would be doing. If <laughs> Oh, there's a man in here waving his salsa around. No, sorry, spraying his salsa around by waving his condiment gun. Is that correct? <laughs> Tell me I got that correct. Yeah, some man comes into the fast food restaurant, takes out his condiment gun and starts spraying his salsa around. Is that what you asked me?
0: Those are the exact, <laughs> exact circumstances. You've yes. called
4: the wrong department, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that said, I would probably wait until he's run out of salsa, then go over to him and ask him to kindly, because we're in a restaurant, conceal his weapon. I can't believe we're doing this. <laughs>
2: uh,
4: <laughs> conceal his weapon. <laughs> and then ask um, Renee to come over and cuff him and stuff him.
3: Oh no, Renee would be like, "I don't want anything to do with that hot gun of yours. Hot cloth, So I'm going to enjoy my sandwich. You take care of this, Christmas."
4: I cannot believe the pictures I've got in my head.
0: <laughs> okay, I can well, believe it. I think I think that game was a success. I, I think, think that game was. Awesome. I think you've both proved that you're both MCU basically. So a round of applause for our contestants. And our judges. And our host. Well
4: done, judges. Well done, judges. Very, very good. I don't know
0: why, why you are going to sound doing, like a granny. <laughs> I, don't know, I
4: don't know why you were doing a London accent. <laughs> Excuse project. me. Mm. My name's Fish Mooney, and I've aged. <laughs> Come here to my nightclub. We're laughing. playing bingo in my nightclub. <laughs> okay,
0: so I, I, I have a theory about this episode. I
1: love your theory.
0: Okay. I'm pretty sure Fish's weapon... Did not hit its intended target. I'm pretty sure that Liza actually botched her assignment in this episode. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, you know, when she's she's given the poi- – or not the poison, the sleepy time. The sleepy time. The sleepy, mi- time. Mi- the sleepy time blend. And uh, she's told to, you know, put it in the tea and everything. One – I don't – she totally could have stepped behind that table to be facing the door while she was pouring it in.
1: She couldn't do that mm-hmm. because then somebody could see
0: what she was doing. Yeah, but with her back to the door, she couldn't see anyone coming in with well, – while facing the door, at least she could have seen a shadow or something and kind of palmed it or whatever. I, I mean I'm just speaking from my experience of drugging people. Uh, that Good that would be the note, smart way to do it. Note
1: to self, but always fill your own cup.
0: Anyway, because she drops the vial mm-hmm. and <laughs> – because of the wonderful things he does Um, no but she drops the vial and drops about half of the the sleepy time blend out of it so i here's my theory here's what i think happened because she didn't use the whole dose falcone woke up when she was in there getting the papers Mm -hmm. and so she so he's upset obviously he realizes what's going on I'm
1: sure she ratted on Fish. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure. Because uh, she was kind of starting to get feelings for Falcone anyway or like kind of mm-hmm. like, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. So he sends her down there with fake documents, whatever that, those thread documents are, mm-hmm. fake documents uh, to somehow implicate Fish a catcher. And, uh, you know, so she, she goes down there and she gives Fish one more chance to kind of call it off. Because Falcone figured she deserved that, right? Sure. And so the second she's like, "Nope, I don't. I don't want that chance. We're gonna kill him, or whatever. We're gonna, you know, tear him down, tear down his empire, or whatever." She just hands over the fake documents and, "Yes, mommy." <laughs> and oh, uh, the
1: mommy then... stuff.
0: But yeah, in the Crazy. one that, the the one thing that makes me doubt my theory on this a little bit is is that. You know, Oswald's main thing this episode was getting that piece of information. Mm-hmm. And it makes me, wait since he's working with Falcone, what advantage is that information going to give him? Hey, this is Bill Meeks, the jerk with the beard from Legends of Gotham. A couple weeks ago, we think we cracked the Wayne murder. Here's the evidence. Remember this guy in the purple suit from episode two, Selena Kyle? Bullock bumps into him, then he goes, Watch the shoes, clown! A simple enough request, and the bad attitude towards Harvey is probably deserved. But wait, remember back in the pilot, when Gordon and Bullock determined the Wayne's killer is likely wearing a pair of shiny shoes? Now, if I was wearing shiny shoes, I'd get pretty upset if a drunk cop stomped all over them. So, a cute line, maybe a red herring. We thought Purple Suit Guy might be a potential Joker because of the suit and the clown reference, so we added him to our page of Joker evidence, then promptly forgot about it. That is, until Episode 9, Harvey Dent. In Harvey Dent, Selena provides a police sketch artist with a description of the killer. When the sketch is revealed to us, the audience, he looked really familiar to my eyes. Then, I remembered the Purple Suit Guy from Episode 2. Has the Wayne's killer been hanging out in the police precinct this whole time? Is he a dirty cop? Or was he there looking for the episode's namesake, Selena Kyle, who was the only witness to the murder? And we still have the purple suit clown line. Didn't the Joker kill the Waynes and Burton's Batman? All very interesting, and all very inconclusive. We probably won't know for sure until the end of the season, but it's interesting to think about, isn't it?
5: Well, that's alright. Not a problem. You're the problem. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Always the problem. Robert,
6: the boy, blundered. <laughs> we have had more fun together. He rides me, I kid him, but we have a great time. And especially doing Batman. Because every day, every hour, it presented a new problem, but new laughs. And that's how we did the show. On several levels. For the fun, as you get older, to see the gags and the jokes and when your kids to be caught up in all that splash and adventure and learn how to live your lives, <laughs> a Batman life, and that's why I'm here, Bert's here today on time, Batman would say, Robin, better to be three hours early than a minute late. <laughs> Those homilies, you see. They worked. And guys,
5: you all can ask Mr. West questions if you like. got a question. Uh, Both of you had uh, pretty big opportunities, or became pretty big opportunities afterwards, while you were filming Batman, that you turned down. Uh, Adam West, you had an opportunity to play James Bond, and you had an opportunity in The Graduate. uh, Well, I didn't turn that down. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, the studio wouldn't let me do it, because they did not want to dilute the image that created with this enormous success of Batman. In other words, by me portraying another role, they felt that it might in some way take away from the reality to kids of me being Robin. And, of course, they found some other actor. I think it was a guy named Dustin Hoffman <laughs> to uh, do the role. But, uh, yeah, that, that which is really an amazing thing because, wow, I mean, it just shows you how um, things can be spectacular, good, or not so good. Anything can happen in the movie industry. Then you look back now, and you, you guys are iconic. So, I mean, I was just wondering how you felt. Oh, it's like life, you
6: know. I mean, we all have trade offs. You know, something good happens, something bad happens, you have to deal with them and try to balance your life in some manner. Now, for example, we're not doing uh, the new Batman movies, the Dark Knight stuff. So, we do miss the $20 million. <laughs> However, The response that we get, the turnout, the love from people really makes it all worthwhile. Because how many icons are there in pop culture? Not many. And luckily, we became that. And that in itself, it's a matter of branding. And at first, when the series was over, you know, you feel like, ah, I got fired now, another job's over, and I gotta get something else, and so on whatever comes along, and it's a lot of luck involved. But branding is terribly important, but we didn't look at it that way in the beginning. We thought, eh, we're screwed. We'll never do anything else. You know, people love the series, and we wore costumes, and we'll never get another a job in other roles. But you know what? About four years after we folded the series... I began to think, and I know Bert did too, branding isn't bad if you'll use it and develop it. You know, look at uh, Coca-Cola, look at uh, Kraft Foods, look at um, uh, the Donald. Well, now it's the Bert. <laughs> and the animal. You know, it, it's just a matter of branding and writing with it and adjusting to it. Like anything else in life, you adjust to the problems if you can. It takes a lot of drinking. <laughs> I have a question on that note. The, the series is being played
1: on cable right now, so you're being exposed to a whole new generation of watchers and, and young
5: kids. Is that rebranded, or has it changed the impact of your turnout? So you're seeing some of the younger people come and react? One
6: of the nicest things that's happened, I think, to us, is that we've been able to go on and, for example, when I do Family Guy, I get a whole different generation. But the wonderful thing about Batman is that you watch with your kids, then your grandson or granddaughter, and it's a, it's a whole family spectrum kind of show. And that's where we got lucky. And we tried to keep it as fresh as possible and as amusing as possible and you know if a series is cancelled after three years 120 episodes as ours was as Star Trek was and they've gone on too um, yeah. it's amazing what happens and somebody told me the other day that it's a matter of, you can become bored or disinterested in the material, but if you have an affinity for, or if you really love the characters, Bert and me, I guess, in this case, then you go on. But you, have, and I think Bert and I got very lucky. It is a matter of luck, a lot of it. You know, we were given roles in a couple of things that we could do and do well and borrow from our own personalities. And it made it kind of genuine. And comedy has to be real to be played properly. You can't think you're funny, you know. Anyway, I don't want to get too serious and I, I start to give an acting lesson because I'm not that good a teacher and probably a lousy actor. All right. I have a question for the Bert, as you refer to him. Um, We've got a good classic Batman line from you. Do you have a favorite
5: holy, blank Batman from uh, your time? I never said blank. No, you (laughs) didn't? I just didn't want to feed you one. Oh, well, I had 378, I believe. But did Uh, you have one that just stood out where you read it and you went, am I really going to say this? uh, Yeah, I mean, actually I had one that, that people like, I actually didn't like. It was something like, holy strawberries, Batman, are we in a jam?
3: <laughs>
6: you see see what I had to put up with.
0: <laughs>
6: but the kids love that
0: <laughs> and
6: to try to explain it to your kids why did Robin say that you know that's a challenge and something fun always mm-hmm.
5: how much creative control did you guys have in your banter was it that fluid Chemistry to yes, it to zero, was. was. It all, it, it, it all and depended how far along we got in it before we got caught for changing the lines. And we did. We would. Uh, there was one time when Adam and I and Yvonne Craig as Batgirl were tied up in the Siamese human knot. And there was only supposed to be two lines. And, and uh, Adam started ad-libbing and then I started ad-libbing. And, you know, they're filming, and it's going on like 20, 30 seconds, which is like five times longer than it should. And, wait, and the director's, wait a minute, wait a minute, this is not in the script, cut, cut. But uh, so it, we, would do, we would do whatever we thought we wanted to do within the general framework of not violating overall the total concept of the script. And sometimes they'd let us do it. Sometimes what we did was better than what they'd written, and sometimes they said, "No, no, we gotta go back to this because we gotta make this point because in the next scene, you know, that sets up something." So it depended on the situation.
6: I have a question for Mister Ward. Uh, yeah. Especially with the way the Dark Knight Rises ended. Yeah. You being as close as a person could be to Robin even before you got the job, what your thoughts were on what it would take to make a good modern Robin.
5: Well, you know, I haven't seen this most recent film. I intend to, but I haven't seen the most recent film. And I was told that there are like three very clear references to Robin in the film. I was also told that this last Batman feature was the end of the trilogy with Christian Bale. So I don't really know what to expect. Um, um, and and I, I, my guess would be as good as yours, you know, but obviously they 're going to try to do something that appeals to the audience that goes to theaters, not necessarily the total audience, because remember Batman what we did was in people 's homes, we were in their living rooms, we were something that had to be presentable for children as well as adults, whereas the films in, in the theaters today you know portrays Batman um, as violent as the villains he fights. Just remember, they have their dark night. I am the bright
0: night. <laughs> uh, guys, we got one more minute left, so anything uh, but, you want. Uh, this question is for Bert. I, thought, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about uh, working and uh, doing, you know, stage fighting with Bruce Lee. And uh, you know, were you able to teach him anything? Or? Well, no, no.
5: Well, let me explain. <laughs> Bruce and I lived in the same condominium complex. And so, even though we had a scene together where we fought on Batman, because we had the same executive producer, William Dozier, who was producing the, you know, uh, the, the film. I mean, the series that he was going to be in with, you know, Van Williams. Um, so Bruce and I actually sparred. You know, we actually did the fighting together, but it wasn't part of that. So when we did the scene on Batman, they, uh, it was. Where the director said we don't want either of you to look like you're getting the upper hand on the other one because we're all supposed to be good guys, you know. So, so they, they toned it down and stuff like that. But uh, Bruce Lee was a great martial artist. He trained eight hours a day. I remember going to um, to dinner with him. And uh, his wife, Linda, and when Brandon, his son, was like six months of age, would go down to Chinatown, and, and of course, he, being Chinese, could order all the most authentic stuff. But he was a great martial artist. But in that scene that we did together, it wasn't so much stage. It was just supposed to be like you're going to start to have a fight, and then it stopped because the guys on both sides realized that we're all on the same team.
6: Last, Mr. West, quickly, your favorite Batman in the films, not you you
5: have a favorite? No. <laughs> <laughs> How can there be? All the others were actors. Adam and I, we, when people think of Batman and Robin, they think of the other actors as very fine actors. Okay, nothing to take away from them. But they're actors doing a role. We really, because of the way kids saw us, grew up with us. And now when people come up to us like today, what you get is not just children. You get a whole series of generations. You get adults that are in their, you know, older seniors that watch Batman. Adults today, the, their children, who now are parents, and the whole family watched Batman and still does. We're on actually three times a day. We're on twice a day on The Hub and then on Meet TV coming out of Chicago. Seven days a week. That's a lot of exposure. More than that in my house on the D V R my three year old you're the only Batman around that he knows. Oh well he has excellent taste. <laughs> <laughs> were either of you ever asked uh, to do a Stanley stuff style cameo and Tim Burton, Schumacher, Nolan? I wasn't and I think I don't know I can't speak for Adam, but uh, I, I believe that the position they took was that they wanted uh, they wanted to stay away from anything that ha- could have any kind of lightness or comedy to it because they were trying to portray this very dark night Even, well Schumacher. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's a whole different kind of thing
0: Mr. West did, did anything ever come your way like uh, that Stanley style cameo in the films mm. no how do you uh, feel about playing Merrick Colvin
6: <laughs> I have mixed feelings he's very funny and they say he's the funniest thing on the show which is a nice compliment. But I have mixed feelings because many times I'm asked to say lines that I would never say in real life, which happens a lot to, to, to my actors. But in this case, because he's so absolutely nuts, <laughs> and I can use the quirkier parts of my personality. And there are plenty. Shut up.
0: And
6: I could can, I can, I can magnify that stuff. It's really fun to do. You know, thank you, folks, for making us and me an Atlanta citizen. Oh, yeah? We were in really that good. award today. This I is, thought it was an arrest. We were going to get arrested. So did and I. it turned
5: out that we were actually getting an award.
6: This is Adam West Day, and we appreciate your attention. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. We Thanks will go much. on as you will.